Welcome back to the Vine Church Podcast. Today, we are continuing our sermon series, Seeing Jesus, exploring the first nine chapters of Luke's Gospel. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. If you'd like to open in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 9. Before we read it, let me show you a picture is this good now, Josh? Yeah? Yeah, happy. Okay, let me show you a picture. This is something that Greg Peterson sent me on Friday. Little did he know what I was going to speak about. You probably can't re- read it, but it says, uh, you are now entering the mission field. And that is on the inside of the door, the exit door, for his brother's church. Okay? So, you're now entering the mission field. That's what it says as you leave church on a Sunday and go out into the world. And that fits in brilliantly with what we're actually reading and looking at this morning. So let's read Luke chapter 9 and uh, verse 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. And so they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Now, let me ask you a question. I have a Uh, sheet here. I hope you can see it. And on this, we have the word challenge. And the arrow goes up from the least challenging to the most challenging. And this is our lives, okay? And if we draw a line, say, here, and we draw another line here, and then you can see my wonderful handwriting, Uh, this is our comfort zone. Now, where do you think is a good place for you to be in your life on this spectrum? Okay, perhaps perhaps somewhere down here, nice and comfy. Yeah, put your feet up, chill. Uh, What do you think? Any thoughts? Maybe, Maybe up here. Maybe, maybe really quite close to the edge. It's a bit challenging. What do you think? Below the bottom line, says Joshua. <laughs> Joshua is going for below the bottom line. <laughs> Chill to the point of horizontal, right? Uh, laid back to the point of horizontal. Maybe somewhere in the middle. Maybe that would be nice. Uh, let me suggest to you that... We're going to have a growth mindset in our lives where we actually need to be is here. Okay? We need to be out of our comfort zone because, as it says on our slide, that's where the magic happens. When you step out of your comfort zone, that's when things can start to happen, where you can start to grow. You see, there's the comfort zone, and then there is the growth zone. 
And we need to be in the growth zone, not just in the comfort zone. And that enables us to have a growth mindset. Now, let me just point out that there is another zone, which is, I might call, the danger zone or the red zone, okay? And we don't want to be in that bit. We don't want to be at a point where actually we're just going to blow up or, or burn out, okay? The, da the danger zone is where you can burn out or blow up. The comfort zone is where you can put your feet up. The growth zone is where you can grow up, but the danger zone is where you might blow up. But we want to be in the growth zone. I want to suggest to you that God is an expert at putting us out of our comfort zone, but he does know how much we can handle. Often, it's more than we think we can handle. But he knows when it's too much as well. And he doesn't take us to the point where we snap. So maybe you can think right now of something that is stretching you or that will stretch you in your life. That's a good place to be where you can grow. I, I would say, actually, I said to Kate the other day, I'd probably find that this year has been the most challenging year I've had. Not the most difficult year. That was a few years ago, all right? But challenging in terms of stretching and growing, yeah. Our students, a number of them, have set off to university. Annie, Megan, Lauren, Nat, soon, Naya, Zach, Jamie. And it's always a big step when you go away for the first time. I can remember it many moons ago when I was younger, going off the excitement, the trepidation, all of a sudden you have to navigate your own way. You have to get around, you have to do your own cooking, your own budgeting. Everything that you watched your parents do, you suddenly have to do for yourself. And it's a time to grow, to be stretched. And yet, uni, for example, is actually a nice halfway house for people between dependence, independence rather, and uh, total dependence. You see, when you're there, you do get some support. You're part of a community. And you get to come home for long holidays with all your dirty washing as well. So it's kind of quite a nice stepping stone. Now take a look at Luke and We've read chapter 9, but if you just read back a chapter earlier in chapter 8 and verse 1, it said there, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, and the 12 were with him. So just a chapter earlier, the disciples have been on their year of training with Jesus, and Jesus has done all the work. And they have watched. He teaches, they listen. He heals, they watch. He does miracles, they stand in awe with their jaws on the ground. Jesus leads, they follow. Now, one chapter later, after a year of training, no more than that, in chapter 9, there is a turning point. Jesus takes the baton and hands it to the disciples and says, Your turn. 
In verse 2, it tells us, he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And yet, what I will say is this. This is a dress rehearsal for what Luke is going to tell us will happen in the book of Acts when these disciples will have to go much further and much more audaciously and ultimately to the ends of the earth. Here, this is a short-term mission trip, a few days, maybe a few weeks, and it's local. They're traveling around from village to village around Galilee, around their local area where they're positioned. Mainly, it seems, probably to the Jews, and they're going in pairs. It doesn't tell us in Luke, but in Mark's version of this, they, it tells us that Jesus sent them out in twos. They didn't go around in a big 12. They didn't go around one by one, but they went around together with some support from someone else. And so Jesus is kind of pushing them into, out of their comfort zone, but not to a point of breaking. This is a dress rehearsal for the later mission that is going to come when they have to go to the ends of the earth. Jesus is training them. Jesus is delegating to them. Jesus is helping them to grow into their calling. And that's what he does with us. Now, I wonder how you think they would have felt at this point. Imagine, I think they must have felt pretty terrified, perhaps. Certainly pretty scared. I mean, imagine if today I were to say, okay, um, Chris and Hillary, this afternoon, I'd, I'd like you to head off to, uh, to Hartley Whitney High Street uh, and uh, just to stop people, preach, share the gospel with them. If you see anyone going by that looks a bit ill, could you just pray for them, just heal them, okay? Uh, that would be great. Uh, and um, let me see, uh, Naomi and, uh, and Elsie, could you, could you go to Fleet High Street? Uh, could you do the same, just, just preach the gospel, share some stuff, you know? Um, and um, let's see who else. Uh, Joy Joyce and Owen, could you could you go to Odium High Street and could you just preach the gospel to people there? Okay, uh, how would you feel? I mean, it'd be terrifying, wouldn't it? But that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying to his disciples, literally, just go out to the villages, preach the kingdom, heal the sick. That's what they've got to do. And it is going to be a challenge. Now, you might say, well, that sounds a bit scary to me. Well, how about if I said could you come and help at FYG? You say, youth? Ooh, I can't do youth. I don't do youth. Well, you know, it's fun. And it's better than watching something on Netflix on a Friday night. And you get to do the kingdom and help the kingdom to grow. So why not? Is it a bit of a stretch? Yeah, that's what Jesus does. He pushes us. He stretches us. Uh, why don't you help at adventures? Whatever. Or maybe... Let's just bring it even closer to home. Sunday morning, here we are at church on a Sunday morning. And we had Nadia read a passage for us. We had Shimona leading us beautifully in worship. Uh, and, uh, and then what if, if we said, well, hey, guess what? It's also over to you guys to share something during the meeting. We'd love to hear from you, for you to pray out or read a, a passage. You might say, well, you know, I, I haven't got the vibe today. Someone else will anyway. And guess what? That's what everyone else is thinking as well. And so the result is potentially nobody does. But we do believe in distributed 
delegated body ministry. We believe in, want to be a charismatic church where there are gifts flowing from different people. I would suggest to you that we all have a part to play and we all have something to say. It doesn't mean that every Sunday everybody's got something to say, but I would suggest that over time we should find that we have got something to, to say or a part to play. And I would love us to have the problem that they had in Corinth where there were just too many people wanting to contribute and they had to kind of just calm it down and control it a little bit. But, you know, here is Jesus sending these disciples out and saying, you've been sitting, you've been listening, you've been learning. Now I want you to speak up and to share what you have received. There's an old hymn, it's a little bit quaint, but it says this in, the line, in a line here, there's a work for Jesus ready at your hand. It is a task the master just for you has planned. Haste to do his bidding, yield him service true. There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. What is that work that Jesus has got for you to do? Now, it will be instructive for us to just think about how Jesus delegated and sent these disciples out. So the first thing, I just want to mention three things about this passage. The first thing I notice is this. It tells us in verse 1 that Jesus called the disciples together. Before they dispersed outwards, he brought them together to be with him for a period of training and commissioning. You see, the disciples weren't always necessarily following Jesus around. They were dispersed sometimes. And it says here in verse 1, he called the 12 together. And there he gave them power and authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases. He sent them out to preach and so on. You see, folks, we need to understand this. Before we can go out, we need to come in. We must gather so that we can scatter and before we scatter. It is essential that we gather together regularly with Jesus and with, his fellow, with our fellow disciples so that we can be trained, so that we can be instructed, encouraged, empowered, and freshly commissioned to go out again into the world. There's this kind of rhythm to the Christian life. Gather, scatter, gather, scatter. That's how it works. We come in and we go out again, a little bit like a heart that kind of beats, doesn't it? And it kind of, it kind of draws in and then it pushes out. It's just this rhythm of, and that's how it is with, with God's people. And you might say, you know, I, I don't really need the church stuff. I mean, I, I'm not really into singing and listening to theology and, and, and making small talk over coffee. I mean, me, I'd rather be out there in the world being a witness to Jesus. Listen, you'll never be able to sustain yourself in the world as a witness if you don't keep coming back to be equipped, to be encouraged, to be trained, to be filled with the Spirit so that you can then go out again in the power of the Spirit. So the first thing that happens is Jesus gathers them in and then, second thing I want to note about this passage is that it tells us in verse 3 that they're to take nothing for the journey. It's intriguing, isn't it? It says, Jesus says to them, don't take a staff, a bag, 
any bread, any money, or an extra shirt with you. You don't need to fill the car up with fuel before you set off on the journey. You don't need to pack your bags. No money. Just, just, just go. Just as you are, off you go. You think, wow, what is happening here? I wonder why Jesus is saying this. There's various suggestions that have been made. One is that uh, the bag that they would carry, the itinerant preachers, the cynics at the time, would carry a, a begging bag. And, and as they kind of spoke and entertained the crowds, they'd have a bag out. to, to and, and Jesus saying, don't do that. Don't be like the cynics. Possibly that. Uh, maybe it's, it's because they're to identify with the poor. That they're going out, and it, they shouldn't be going out uh, preaching this message, and yet uh, uh, to the poor, as Jesus called us to do, and yet they're, they're not modeling that themselves. Perhaps it's that. I think we're getting closer if we see that this is about simplicity. Uh, certainly the church over the centuries has ignored this to its great shame. There have been times when churches and denominations and preachers have been ostentatiously wealthy, when parsons made a career and were more interested really in the condition of the wines in their cellar than they were of the people in their congregations. There is a place for simplicity in our mission. You don't show up in town in a Bentley and a white suit and a Rolex watch. Uh, that, that kind of thing is just uh, shameful, really. But the simplicity is, is, I think, a part of the, the message here. Uh, in verse 4, certainly it says that they were to stay in one house. They were not to go around looking for the best house in town to stay in. If someone invited them in, uh, they go in and they think, oh, I don't really like the furnishings in here. And mm, that, that meal was a bit basic. You know, I've heard up the road they've got... Uh, a cinema room, and, uh, and they, they serve up really nice mosh there. I think I'm going to move up the road, you know. Uh, no, 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 that's not the point. You're not here for the perks. That's not the reason why you're doing this, for the perks. Now, sometimes God blesses us. Actually, we don't teach that we should embrace poverty for the sake of poverty. God can bless us in our mission, in our calling, whatever that may be. But we're not in it the perks. We're not in it. Uh, God actually will supply our needs. And what I find interesting, if you just look in chapter 22 of Luke, it tells us there in Luke 22 and uh, verse 35 that Jesus there, this is towards the end, just before he's about to go to the cross. And in Luke 22 verse 35, uh, it says there that um, excuse me while I just find it. Uh, he says to his disciples in verse 36, he says, Now, if you have a purse, take it. If you have a bag, take it. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. So there, later, Jesus says, Do take stuff with you. So in other words, it's not some universal thing that we should always go out in poverty. And simplicity, it depends on the setting and the context as to what's appropriate to take. So it's not a universal teaching about simplicity, but 
I think it's interesting, in verse 35 of the passage in chapter 22 I just read, Jesus says to his disciples, when I sent you without a purse, a bag, or sandals, do you remember when I sent you out to do that? Did you lack anything? And it says they answered, no, nothing. They lacked nothing back then. That's it. I think the reason Jesus is sending them out without anything is because he wants them to learn at the outset of their mission that they have to rely on God and that he will provide their every need. And this whole mission is God's mission. And so trust God on that mission. As we heard from Janice earlier with youth work and so on, I can't do this, but God can help me to do it. And that's what they have to learn. They have to learn that this is God who will provide. It's part of their training. And it's a huge lesson for all of us, isn't it? That whether we have plenty or whether we're in want, we can keep coming back to this truth. God will supply our needs. We can rely on him. If we're doing his work in his way, he will provide his resources. Where God guides, he provides. Whatever you're doing, whatever you feel you're doing right now, look to God, because if you're walking with God, if you're seeking to do his will, you can trust him to provide for you. And certainly Jesus models this, doesn't he, through this passage uh, and through the, the book of Luke. One of the things that I've noticed about Luke and I really like about Luke's gospel, is that Jesus does seem pretty chill when he's on his ministry. I don't want to be blasphemous or anything, but as you read the, the passages that we've looked at recently, he always seems to be quite calm, doesn't he? Not panicking about anything, always trusting. Yeah, there was a kid's story that I used to love reading to my kids it was about Preston Pig. I don't know if anyone remembers Preston Pig. Preston Pig, he was this, cha his, Preston Pig used to go around and there was this wolf uh, that used to chase him. And, and this wolf was determined to eat him, but uh, the wolf kept having accidents behind Preston Pig. And Preston Pig was kind of ignorant of what was going on behind him. He just was waltzing through life, kicking balls and stuff. And, uh, and behind him, there was chaos. But, but he was just, just going, uh, carrying on. Now, Jesus, of course, is not like Preston Pig because Jesus knows exactly what's going on all around him. But as we read through the Bible, we find that there's a storm going on. Everyone's panicking. He's asleep in the boat. There's a madman coming out from the caves that no one can control. Jesus just says a few words calmly and sorts it out. Jesus is in a crowd. To, he's traveling to heal Jairus' daughter who needs urgent attention. Hurry up, Jesus. And Jesus stops and talks to a woman. And then they come and say, oh, but, but now it's too late, Jesus. Jairus' daughter's dead. Jesus says, no, don't worry, she's just sleeping. <laughs> he just seems to stay calm, doesn't he? He seems to stay in control. He's always in a place of trust. He's unoverwhelmable. Now, he says to his disciples, you go out simply 
trusting. You don't need to panic. You find that? You find in your life at this time, you're trying to do things that just, oh, it's so overwhelming. I, I feel that sometimes. But actually, we need to stop and say, God, you are with me. I believe you that you're going to help me through this. And so they're relying on God, and that's, we find that it's not just their physical needs he provides, but it is, of course, also their spiritual power that he provides for them. He tells them, it tells them, he gave them authority and power to heal the sick and to preach the kingdom. That is what they are there to do, to declare the kingdom and to heal the sick, and he gives them authority and power to do it. It's interesting, isn't it? You can imagine a policeman, a policeman who has been commissioned, and they have the authority to act on behalf of the law. But imagine if that policeman was given no equipment to do the job. They were given no tools for the, tr- for the job. They would have the authority, but no power. On the other hand, imagine if you were a citizen, and you don't have the authority to go around enforcing the law, uh, but, but let's say you've got all the equipment to do it. Well, you've got the power, but you don't have the authority. Here, the disciples have the authority and the power. And we too have his authority and his power to do his work, to declare his kingdom. That's what we're primarily here to do, is to promote and declare the kingdom of God in your schools, in your workplaces, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in the towns and villages around us. Wherever you live, we are here and we have his authority. We have his power to bring his kingdom. And it wasn't just a special thing for the apostles. Yeah, of course, they were special. But we read on in chapter 10, Jesus sends the 72 out. He sends others out. And he sends us out, and to the extent that we are submitted to his word, we have his authority and his power as well. And so finally, let me just point out the results of all of this. And in verse 5, it does tell us that Jesus warns them, some people will reject what you're, you're doing. And if they do, just shake the dust off and move on. And it's important for us to understand this. We're not responsible for the results of the mission. We're just responsible to do our bit, to be the best mum that we can be and then trust God with our children, to be the best uh, person in our workplace that we can be with bringing the kingdom into that place and trusting God with the results, to declare the kingdom uh, where we go, to preach the gospel and trust him for the results. And sometimes it might feel like Things are not going that well. Things are not going according to plan. They've rejected us. I thought Jesus told us to go, and now they've rejected us. Something's gone wrong. (laughs) No, no. Jesus said that it wouldn't always work out easily. But that's okay. Keep going. Keep trusting. Just do your part. And actually, of course, God does take care of the results, and we do find that people are healed, and we do find the kingdom is declared across the villages of Galilee as well. So he does give them success ultimately as well. So that's my point today. That's what I want you to get hold of today. 
that Jesus is training you. Jesus is equipping you and he's calling you to step out of your comfort zone and into the growth zone. What is it that he is pushing you into? What is he challenging you to go for? What is he challenging you to step up to? Don't hold back. Be open, be ready, be trusting. You can do much more than you think you can. And so don't dismiss yourself because God is with you. Jesus has given you his power and his authority to do his work. How is he challenging you? Maybe you need to step out at church on Sundays in your witness. Maybe you need to take a promotion and go for a challenge. Maybe you need to trust him for your finance. Maybe you need to trust him in some health challenge that's pushing you. Well, let God teach you through this. What are you learning at this time? What are you growing in? How are you growing? What's God teaching you through this time? Let us pray together before we respond. Lord God, I thank you that you don't want us just to be passive observers of your work. I thank you, Lord, that you catch us up in your mission to the world. And so I want to pray right now that we would each know what it is that we're called to do, that we would not give in to fear or to self-doubt, but that we would step up and trust you and do the things you call us to do. And where we feel discouraged and where we feel that it's hard work, help us, oh God, to keep going, help us to keep growing, and help us to keep trusting. Lord, we pray for your kingdom to advance across our area. We pray for the church to grow. We pray for your kingdom to break into broken lives, and we pray that we would be the agents through which you do that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.